welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. We have two awesome guests with us today, John Gorman and Lauren Conlin. And of course, we've got Jason and Mr. Sue. So first, I'm going to begin with Mr. John Gorman, since he's one of our awesome guests. How's your week been so far, the last seven days or so? Man, it's, uh, first of all, thanks for having me back on the show. And to get to be on here with Lauren, like this, this could be really good, or this could be a shit show. I know a lot of this stuff, her and I, we listen, we are no stranger to being on the same podcast back in the TNT podcast days. So sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's bad. So we'll, we'll kind we get of in a fight again. Like we did at the certification. That was fun. Oh, that was awesome. You guys got in a fight? A verbal sparring, but it was fine. No, it, don't, don't it was, open that can of worms. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about on the biggest mistakes we made. We'll talk about college. Maybe that's it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, the last seven days are good. We, uh, we Thanksgiving is good. We had three, three different ones to go eat at. We kept it pretty tame, just tried to hold back food a little bit. I gave my clients, you know, I told them, hey, I need a whole week off because I know I'm not going to change food for them that week. I don't really have anybody except for one person at prep. So it's a super chill week. I was doing a lot of stuff, um, getting the new website up for the new podcast. Jason and I are getting ready to launch. We're going to record our new episode tomorrow. So getting the podcast up and getting all the stuff with the fine tooth comb, you know, gone through and the show notes put together. So just been, uh, been really, really busy. And then yesterday was a really big day for me because um, for most people that know that kind of follow what I do is, is I uh, stepped away from first form after six years. So that was, you know, it's a good professional post. I feel like I did everything the right way. It's something that, you know, I've been battling with for a year now, trying to do the right thing and talking back and forth with Sal. So it was just finally time, you know, so I made that post and it was, you know, got good reception. And it kind of sucks because in this day and age, when you've been with a company for so long, like you do need to post about it because if not, you spend, months and years answering people's questions you can't really go do anything else like you almost have to just announce it so i felt really really good about it my my phone blew up for a while but it, it wasn't too bad so i i feel really good with all that so it was a good way to wrap up the last seven days i thought it was a great post actually i mean Thanks, I, man. I don't think there was a better way you could have said uh goodbye to a company yeah. that i could tell you care a lot about so that was that was really cool on your end. yeah man i mean here's the thing i i you know, you try and always be professional. You try and be a class act, no matter what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, 99% of everything was positive. So it's not like there's a bunch of drama, but people like to look into stuff. So it's always best just to take the high road and you never know who you may do business with or, or stuff down the road. So it's, it's always just to be good to be a class act. Ah, I agree a hundred percent. Sue, how are you doing? <laughs> good, Jeff. Um, we're having a storm up here in uh, Massachusetts. What so kind of storm? Nor'eastern? No, it's not, it's not a big storm, but you know, it's like maybe like three, four inches. It's not that bad, you know, cause I remember as when I was a kid, you know, there was a lot, we'd get like several feet and they, they closed all the schools. All the schools were canceled yesterday. And then today a lot of schools were canceled. I'm just like, what the fuck's going on with people? They're getting soft, you know? They got to get a Bronco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should just start taking people's kids to school. <laughs> no, man, oh weird. dude, <laughs> Sue's daycare. Yeah. <laughs> he could oh, uber in the morning it. oh my god listen so so aside from the snow the snow um everything is good um i'm still you know more people are sort of like trickling in like i have a couple a couple people in the pipeline that um you know might do a couple shows in the uh the spring i actually told a girl that i wouldn't take her on for the spring but i take her on for the fall so we'll see how she takes to that and if she joins or not and has that long-term vision. Well, other than that, your status quo, man, life is good. 
How's the Bronco in the snow? Uh, it's good. It's good. Like I was telling you guys before we started recording, I had trouble starting it one day. And it didn't occur to me that because it's 95, you know, usually you put your brake, you put your foot on the brake pedal to start a car with, with the key of the ignition, right? But with this thing, you have to like prime it. So you have to like put your foot down on the gas pedal a couple of times to get gas in there, I guess. And then, and then you Google you it. it. No, I, I asked the guy, um, actually one of my clients, <laughs> he's, a, he's a mechanic. And he told me that, you know, you got to give it a few, few pumps, you know, when it's really cold. Um, but it handles really well. I love it. Well, I'm glad you made a good the decision. The in the garage, sleeping, hibernating for the winter. Absolutely. Just like you treat your women, right? A couple pumps while they're cold. <laughs> That's it. Damn. Jason said it, not me. Jason said it, not me. Let the weather. I, I mean, did anyone else not hear that? No, that sentence? I was definitely going to say something, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let. It's it's a couple of pumps of the gas pedal, man. Like, that's not what you said. <laughs> no, yeah. All right, yeah. We'll just move on from that because that's just that. Ooh, wow. All right. So, I think we're all frozen. We're all frozen. I think we are unfrozen. Are we unfrozen? Oh, I'm the unstable connection. Jason. Right, here we go. Okay. Just here we so go. you know, you were gone for like five seconds. I that happens every day when I light up my bowl. But um, <laughs> Lauren, um, how's your week been? <laughs> it's actually been really good. So uh, I don't even know. My weeks all kind of blend together. But NPC Nationals just happened. I don't know what week that was. I think it was last week. <laughs> How um, was that? Was it was great. Um, I had three clients competing and then five clients come into town just to hang out. So awesome. it was a cool little team atmosphere. Um, and we got to do some training and just hanging out. And so it was, it was awesome. It's one of my favorite shows. Obviously I'm a little partial to nationals, but, um, it's definitely, it's very well run and it's a really good atmosphere. And it's, it's fun cause it's like the last show of the year, pretty much. I mean, nobody, none of my clients are generally competing after that. So it's kind of like the last hurrah. And then people just come into town literally just to party cause it's Miami. So it's it really Miami. fun. Yeah, it was a really good time. Um, and then Thanksgiving was great. And then came back up. Um, been going to do jitsu. So I've been getting my ass kicked. That's been great. Also still terrible, but really enjoying it. Um, few new client signups again. Um, actually I've had a, a handful of people come back, which is always nice, you know, when people kind of take yeah. a break and then you never really know, you know, some people just go to their coaches, which is fine, but it's always great when you have a client or several come back, you're like, Oh, okay. This makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, so people gearing up for the new year. And, um, I do actually have a, a decent amount of clients in prep because I'm, pretty, I, I like to do things slowly. So if people want to be ready early, well, we got to start before the year ends. You know what I mean? So I have a handful of people who have already started prep, um, for spring shows. Cause just generally most people, it's just not enough time for most chicks to get in shape. Um, especially, you know, natural females. So people doing prep, but nobody, um, is on stage, like no more shows for the end of the year. So that's nice, nice little break <laughs> for that. <laughs> Absolutely. How was the attendance at nationals? So prejudging is always kind of like hit or miss because obviously for prejudging, most people are, you know, only really going to go if you're a coach or you like know somebody. I actually, this was the first year I didn't go into finals because um, I didn't have anybody in the first call out. So um, if anybody doesn't know, at a national show, uh, only the people in the first call out literally get called out and then get their awards. Um, everybody else just hits one pose and walks off stage. So if you don't have a client who's in that, um, 
it is very expensive. Like the tickets were like $138, I think for finals. And I was like, oh, I've seen about a thousand bodybuilding shows. So I'm just going to hang out with my clients. And then when the girls come back out, we'll all go out to eat and hang out and get some drinks. So um, I didn't see the night show because I didn't end up going in. Um, but prejudging was pretty standard. And the, the show seemed pretty standard from what I saw from bikini. I didn't see the other divisions because um, I was with the clients kind of beforehand. But um, honestly, all the national shows this year have been really big. So I can't imagine that this one was any different, really. Okay, cool. I'm glad to know. Last year when I competed, it, it was a little, <clears throat> we, we were only prejudging because I didn't go back for the night show because I had a hip fracture I was working through. And I was just like, I can't make it back on stage. I literally got off stage and like went to my knees. And anyway, that was another story for another day. But um, <clears throat> it wasn't that, there wasn't that many people prejudging. So I was kind of curious if it's picked up or if it just stayed about the same or not. Yeah, I feel like at least for national shows, prejudging is generally only the coaches or like friends and family um, who are pretty local. You know, it's different than like a local show when like, hey, I live in, say I live in a certain city and then like I have a bunch of friends and family who live here. Um, it's just not like that at the national shows what I've, with what I've seen. Cool. Well, Jason, you're looking spiffy today. That beard's Thank looking you. exciting. Thank you. Thank you. How's your week? Um, let's see. So my week, um, some cool things, I guess, were um, my son Aiden turned 15 yesterday. So I can't believe I have a 15 year old, but I do. Um, we took him out to Crab, as that's what he wanted and had a nice dinner, got a little cold stone after. Um, so that was cool. Got him his gifts, a lot of art stuff. He's really into his art these days. Um, new ethics. We ran a, you know, black Friday sale like everyone else, but it really kicked ass. So we were, that was really positive to see a lot of response on that. Um, still don't have our Amazon page completely built out. Like all the content is there, but there's so many hoops to jump through with Amazon, but we're getting ready to le release it soon. But, uh, the site, um, went up again by about 1500 bucks uh, a month. So at least everything keeps trending up. But once we release all that content with all the hidden keywords and things, things should really pick up even more. So that was cool to see at least it's still trending up. Um, as far as clients, I'm kind of in the same boat as Lauren. Like I have people already starting because there's shows in town in March and now we're in December and a lot of people still need 16 plus weeks. Um, and I had some new people come on this week. Some, some of them, a lot of them were gut issues with with metabolic resistance type stuff dealing with SIBO and just bloating even when they drink water type stuff so you know that you know there's a lot going on internally there so I had some of those join on but otherwise uh, pretty standard you know easy week for me uh, my overall people kind of I think they stay on board but they start skipping a few check-ins during the holiday especially December so my check-in days are always a little less and then everyone starts full full force it seems like in january again so my days have been a little easier which is nice for hopefully the next 30 days well all right well my week has been exciting i bought a new mattress i was pretty excited oh, about that did. yeah you get? i ended up getting that nectar mattress what i don't know what are those so it's like one that's like the most rated or highest rated for being cool so I was being really big into sleep because I've been watching with my whoop app that my NREM is just garbage, my deep sleep. Remember I was showing right. you my stats? Yeah. <clears throat> so if you sleep hot and you have a high metabolic rate, you can't get hot. You can't get into deep sleep. Mm -hmm. it's, it's harder to get in there, and that's a higher risk for Alzheimer's. They've actually done studies showing that. And Alzheimer's runs in my family. So now, you know me, I'm like paranoid as fuck. So yeah. I'm dropping acid and I'm like sitting there like, oh God, I got to get this mattress. <laughs> I got to get this mattress like right now. And I end up getting a really good cyber 
Monday uh, deal. And then um, does it adjust or like the no, sleep number? I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll take a video of me on it and send it to you when I get it. It's not one of those foam ones, memory foam, is it? Yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's got like these cooling gel pod stuff. I don't know. They said it was really cool. One of my clients is like, he's like, I don't even sweat on it. I actually have to sleep other than a comforter because it keeps me cool. Mm. And I'm like, I had a memory foam. I hated it. Hope it's better than what mine was. Well, I hope so too. I'm going to be really pissed off. Um, the other thing <laughs> we, ended was, up, we sold it in a month. It was killing our backs. Yeah, the other thing was I had this guy who was training people under the table at my gym who's a pasture. And he informed me that he was doing it because he was trying to bless my house and bless my team and bless my family. So that was an awkward, yes, where yesterday, dude, it was a real fucking awkward conversation. Like Thera was there because I needed a witness and Thera was like trying to like look off to the side the whole time, like Jesus, you know, and all this. So it was a real. How was he blessing you by not giving the proper split to you by using your yeah. property? <laughs> because I actually believe the guy when I say he wasn't making any money on it, I believe uh -huh. he just didn't understand like the perception of what it was I and think. how it was just pissing everyone off. And then he had gotcha. kids in my gym, but he was doing it at times that he knows we're not staffed. And you mm, know, yeah. you guys know I have a 9,000 square foot facility and I've got, right. it's more advanced equipment in there. It's not like, you right. know, you're playing at fitness. So right. he didn't understand any of that. But anyway, it ended really well. He ended up, you know, kind of understanding my position. And so we shall see. And then the last thing was I had a Sue moment today. I went to the barbershop and the barbershop's a very interesting place because all men in there kind of like size each other up. They're like, mm, that guy's got a nice beard. Or you're like, what's up with that guy's haircut? And, you know, you're just sitting there, like, eyeballing each other the whole time. And it was just it was slightly uncomfortable for me. Well, what kind of I, shop you're going to, Jeff? But that doesn't really happen. <laughs> well, I'm going somewhere where you can't get a pomperoo haircut or whatever. You're yeah, getting. he's you know, going to a I, real manly I'm barber. To, yeah, I'm going, like, I mean, this guy sat me down. And I'm like. There's a bunch of alpha males, not betas in here. He's like, talking to me, he's, like, talking to me about all these rappers. He's like, yo, you into rap? And I'm like, I listen to Cannibal Corpse. And I listen to, like, death metal and shit. He's like, so you don't know any rappers? I'm like, well, my nine-year-old, who Keegan turns nine on Thursday, he's known as KD. Yeah, Keegan and I talk, talk rap when yeah. he rides with me. And I remember I asked you, I was like, can he listen to this stuff? You're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, all right. So he doesn't know this yet, but we just got him a drum set for his birthday. Nice. So he Hell wants yeah. to learn how to drum. So I got him the double kick yep. pedals. So I'm trying to hopefully yep. that the metal yep. gets infused a little bit. But um, no, this guy was like talking to me about rap and like down, like he was like, yeah, I know this one barber. He got murdered, you know, over this beef and did it. I'm like, holy shit. And this guy's like white as a sheet. And I'm just like to hear like the hardcore, like thug coming out of him. I'm like, I'm in a real manly barbershop. Like I there left are. there, my testosterone was improved at least 72%. Like oh, I was yeah. like more aggressive driving down the road. Like when I left there, <laughs> I felt hard. I almost wanted to put on like juvenile back that ass up. So what did he charge you to like, I guess, line up your beer? Yeah, what are the prices down there, Jeff? Um, it was 25 bucks for everything. And he like five. Yeah. Did he thread your eyebrows? No, I'm not into that weird shit. My eyebrows are perfect. <laughs> Wait, Jeff, $25 just to line up your beard. Well, no, like, no, right he here. trimmed it in. Like you've seen how meaty my beard is. It's a very meaty beard. So therefore, oh, he had so to like easy. get in there. It was like a good twenty-five minute job. I mean, I wanted wow. to give the guy a shoulder rub because I felt bad for his arms being up the whole time. I think you guys lost me again. Are we back? Anyway, I think twenty-five dollars <laughs> is really expensive. Your internet's terrible today, I, dude. Yeah. It's Comcast. All right, the bazillion dollar company <laughs> can't get it right here in Nashville. Get I don't know can we like all start a cable company? Because I would be so happy. Like they have a serious monopoly. There's like two here and they're both terrible. That's how and it is, Cincy. Yep. That's how it is everywhere. here in Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Like they literally do that. And I'm, 
it's the worst. And when I, we bought our new house, I had to call five different people to set up one basic thing. And I was like, do you guys not have any like training or basic intelligence to do this? <laughs> like, yeah, obviously no. I don't know how to do this, but like, isn't no. this your job? But they're like, Oh, it's not my job. Really? Yeah, no, they contract all that stuff. <laughs> they out. contract it all out. That's why it sucks. That's how it is around yeah. here too. It's, it's, oh. it's a nightmare. Yeah, but anyway, Jeff, we'll, we'll let you know when you fade out. All right, man. Well, we will go ahead. So how this podcast episode came to be is we had some scheduling difficulties. And so we ended up, Lauren ended up saying like, she wanted to jump in the fire with us four dudes. So we were like, all right, let's make it a good time. I, you know, it sounded a little, I guess, kinky. I don't know. I mean, real, (laughs) real plutonic way. Don't even, don't even laugh at me about that. All right. I'm laughing. Yes. Okay. Fine. (laughs) I didn't say jump into the fire, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just ad lib for you. I'm good about that. I, I have a shirt that I ordered that has, it says radical feminist on it. And I'm thinking about like wearing that around downtown Atlanta. And I feel like I'm going to be in a lot of photos that night. So we're going to have a good time. Oh, oh my God. Listen, Jason will tell you I'm more in tune with the female side than I am the male side. That's true. Yeah, exactly. I'm good with my estradiol levels and they're in a good spot. And I feel that I'm a healthy male that can cry at times, except I can't cry. But anyway, he was a female in another life. I know. That's what my psychic said. He's like, you've been a female in your past life. I'm like, oh, it makes total fucking sense now. Why I'm like, why I get girls more than I do guys. Cause I'm like, just nut up, dude, go make it happen. And girls, I'm like, come here, let's talk about this. So what did he do wrong to you? You know, and I like walk it out with them. But so what we decided to do was uh, Sue had a great idea about talking about our biggest mistakes. And I think Mm -hmm. between the five of us, we're probably going to have some good little laughs going on. Yeah. Um, So for the sake of this, I'm going to kind of more uh, moderate this podcast and I'll throw my little peeps here and there. But um, I want to begin with uh, Jason first. Jason, uh, you know, it's such a broad topic about biggest mistakes in business. But um, I think that all of us could kind of agree that when we first started, we might have made more mistakes with how we approached, how we dieted clients and things like that. So I figure we kind of go down the avenue and then see where it exploded to. So I'll give the reins to you, Big Daddy. Well, I, you know, I'm sure I've, I've made a million mistakes dieting people too, but the first one on my mind is um, in the off seasons in the past, like when I was first getting going and I knew someone needed to grow, like I know for a fact I did not put enough stock into digestive health. Like if someone was like, oh, I'm bloating, I'd be like, oh, here's some enzymes. Let's keep eating food. You know what I mean? And rather than figuring out better ways to time things, maybe fast to open their, you know, their digestion up where they can have bigger meals, you know, around the workout, just whatever, you know, adding in proper things that would really help the digestion. Um, I really didn't have like great recommendations on what enzymes and just different things. And, and it was just kind of, I brushed it under the rug a little more than I should have. Um, and now I understand the importance of like really zeroing in and really getting that basically it's like one of the basis of, of getting things healthy when people come to me is, is digestion. So I've kind of done a 180 on that. And it's just as I've gotten more educated and kind of really looked at myself as well, I've just learned how to take care of that aspect a lot better. And I wish I, I wish I would have done better with it early in my career. Cause there are a few clients I can remember, like I just didn't do enough to help them with their digestion. And that sucks when you have to kind of think about yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. John, I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Gorman. You know, as far as clients, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about business at some point, but as far as clients, it, this goes back to early, early, probably 2007 to 2010. 
I wish, and this is why I wrote the first book, Metabolic Capacity and Reverse Dying. I wish I would have understood. I wish I could go back and get some of these clients back that, you know, they do a show in March and then they balloon up and they gain 20, 30 pounds. And then they'd hire me and they'd want to do a show, you know, that October. And of course, as a new coach, I'm like, fuck yeah. I saw their, you know, I saw their pictures from their March show. They were legit. I thought I can get them there. And then the next thing you know is I'm trying to diet them down. I have to kill them with hours of cardio, super low calories, and their physique just didn't look as good. So it really took kind of fucking that up um, or me putting my own clients through that. It wasn't just people coming to me. I didn't know back in the day. So I actually overdieted my people or dieted them too often, especially females. And then it started to lead to some of the metabolic capacity issues. So then I started to learn how to fix that, but it, it was a little too late. You know, the book didn't come out until 2015. I probably should have um, been a little more open-minded to the fact that reverse dieting was a thing. And back then I wasn't, um, just kind of fought it. So, I, you know, I wish that's something I could, I could go back and, and start a little bit earlier, but that was probably from the standpoint of my clients looking good on stage and doing even better. That's something that would have been a game changer back before you know, 2011, 2012. Lauren, I see you dancing around. I feel like I'm you always, chime in. She's always like, moving. You got noticed that? Yeah, I know. I'm Her always... meat's just got to be ridiculous. Like, <laughs> at least like 4,000 calories. I've been watching her. She's just swaying. Like, so I'm like, she's standing and just moving the whole time. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start doing that with you guys when we're doing this. Just sort of swaying. Yeah. I, uh, I get very, what, Gorman can attest to it. And I guess you too, Jason, when I speak, I'm, I have to like move and walk and my hands are going crazy the whole time. Yeah. But I agree with Gorman and it kind of, my point kind of blends both of that. So yeah, not giving enough off season time. Um, and I've done this again with people who came to me or particularly just clients who, you know, you thought would be more resilient just because mentally they were in the right place to do a show doesn't mean that physically they're in the right place to do the show. So really understanding, um, if you're going to push hard, you need to take a, the adequate amount of time off. And that leads to my other point though, is not being afraid to push people, which I think, um, early on, I was kind of worried because when I first started, when I first started coaching, it was like 2013, but then kind of when I started getting heavily more into like coaching competitors and really pushing people for kind of physique stuff, it was kind of at the peak of, oh, you're a bad coach if you diet someone on low calories, if you give them a lot of cardio, like this kind of stuff. So it kind of is, was scary because you didn't want to be labeled as one of those people, especially me coming from the air quotes science kind of group, you didn't want to be that person, right? So I think it wasn't really until kind of the past two years that I finally was like, you know what, if people you know, again, taking the right precautionary measures off season to be in the right position to actually push hard during prep. Like that's what we need to do to get ready. And that's also changed as the divisions have changed. So I coach primarily NPC bikini um, competitors. I do coach some figure competitors as well. And then also some in the natural organizations too. Um, but typically it's like figure in the natural organization. So it's still very lean. So the girls are a lot leaner now the, the standard is way different. Um, and even IFBB pros, I have several of those and that's a way different look too. So not being afraid to push people very hard, um, during a diet was really important. And like something that I had to say, Hey, I do this for myself. Why wouldn't I do this for my clients? But then also knowing, Hey, if we're going to do this, then we need the subsequent amount of time off. You can't push hard for seven months, take a three month off season and then start again. And that's very common. And I did that for years, um, stupidly. Um, and so, you know, people think that they can do that and your metabolism just gives out at some point. It just goes up. Oh, this is it. So knowing how to push hard during the diet, but also take that subsequent time off kind of blending what John said. 
you know, Lauren, real, real quick, if you don't mind me saying, no, there are no. so many clients I wish I could go back and get because thanks to social media, you had coaches calling out other fucking coaches for actually <laughs> yeah. taking people to 1,100 calories, 1,000 calories, two hours yeah. of cardio. You People were getting called out left and right. And we all know who some of them were. I'm not going to name them <laughs> here. But it, it kind of cast a shadow and it made me yes. think, I'm like, holy shit, like I have to do this with a client. But if I do, what if, what if I go get called out? So, I mean, there was a period there. I think everybody kind of went through it, especially most of my client, clients are in the natural bodybuilding organizations. On that side of it, if you took someone to 1,000 calories, everybody's talking behind the scenes. So there was a few years, like it was, it was pretty tough. But I, I know I had so many clients show up that need to lose another two or three pounds because I did the same thing. Like I was mm -hmm. too worried about what other people were going to think. Yeah. Sue, so you kind of entered the scene around that time, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I, I can definitely echo those sentiments that uh, John and, you know, Lauren Jason expressed that, you know, when I first started, I didn't, um, I didn't push people as hard as I, I could have. And this goes for my contest people and general population people. Just out of fear that, you know, if someone were to quit or, you know, they couldn't last on it, you know, they would leave and then they'd go on social media and blast me that, you know, I put them on like an hour of cardio a day or hour of stairs every day. And, you know, protein veggies only for like three days in a row or something like that, you know, like I know it can get a lot worse than that, but I just had that fear. So I didn't want to do it. And it ended up like, you know, I had a couple of girls compete and they may, they weren't as lean as like I could have got them now knowing that I kept Lauren was talking about earlier was like giving enough time frame, giving enough time for like a prep or whatever. I would just say yes to everybody. And I would just, and I think it was just me being excited and me just starting to build my client base. So I would just take on any guy, a girl that wanted to do a show. And then now I like today, I actually said no to a girl. I said, you know, she sent me her photos and I was like, you have no all up until this point where a light switch went off and said, you're going to compete. So I said, you can sign up with me as a general nutrition client. Let's train for six to eight months, build up your backside, build up your shoulders, you know, and I can diet you down a little bit to learn your physique. You'd be lean for the summer. Then we could maybe reverse diet and then hit a prep. Um, so we'll see if she signs up, but that's more so like my mindset now when I take people on, I don't say yes to everybody. I think that also really echoes another good kind of mistake or whatever, not even just as myself as a coach, but just in the industry as a whole. Um, I really think that, especially again, I always talk about, you know, women in bikini, but it's just usually what I deal with a lot of people have started competing purely, and I guess this would be the same maybe for men's physique, but it's more of like a bucket list, right? Yeah, and um, it becomes very detrimental when you are somebody who's, you know, at a normal weight or maybe slightly overweight, loses a lot of weight, then gets on stage and is judged by strangers. Um, now you've developed a whole host of issues. So I think people sometimes look at this as like, oh, let me do a physique competition as a bucket list thing. Whereas maybe they're, they've not been training for long enough. They have no dietary, like healthy habits built up. Like there's just so many things that are so far gone and I get doing it for the goal. Um, and I understand that like you need a hard goal if you're trying to like change your life, but that's a really, really big one. And that can lead to a lot of issues that I've seen psychologically, like on the back end afterwards with people. And then um, so whereas like, hey, maybe for the first time we diet down, you look good for summer, you do a photo shoot and then we keep training. And then next year we hit the stage and then you'll actually look better. Um, but I think too many people started jumping into that. And, you know, as coaches, all of us, especially when we first started, or even if you're having a slow month, you're like, shit, this inquiry came in. They're really excited. Like I got to, you know, sign them up. And then you almost feel like 
oh, I got to do what they say. But ultimately that's always bitten me in the ass. Anytime I, a client says something and I'm like, oh, I don't really agree with it, but like, I'll go with them. It's always a fucking disaster. So yeah. if you're looking to get into this, um, you're going to want somebody to tell you, like Sue said, Hey, you know, you're not in a position to do this diet. Like let's train hard. Let's maybe do a little cut for summer and then we can hit the stage next year. And you're actually going to do well instead of losing all this weight, developing an eating disorder, and then getting judged by strangers and you don't even do well. So now you hate yourself. And that is, I know that sounds very dramatic, but that is a hundred percent what happens. Yeah. A lot of I see a lot in my area. I don't know if you guys have this going on, but there are a lot of like what's what I would label them as training mills around here where it's like, you know, one person who owns this facility and they have like, you know, three or four coaches that are like a certified, they've never really competed. And they'll just take on like 30, 40 women every season and give them all like the same diet, the same diet. training protocol. Yeah. And they throw them all on stage. And you know that they're there because they show up wearing their team jackets and their sequins and all this stuff. And it's like, so-and-so team is there, but it's just like bodies on stage and like none of them look good. And maybe like one or two might look great because they have above average genetics and they would have reacted well to any sort of dietary protocol. But there's a lot of that going on. They charge like $3,000 for like a standard 12 week prep. So three grand jump on stage. And that goes on all the time around here. It's like, it's like, it's mind boggling. It, this is something that I, I've, I never thought would be a coaching struggle. Um, and I, maybe you guys can talk to this too, um, is the fact that a team-based atmosphere for competitors, not gen pop generally. Um, but because of social media and because of the shows and it's getting so big, um, some people will simply go to a team that has more people and that they're going to be able to be with, you know, backstage or whatever. And they think that because of those numbers, this person is more credible. And it's so mind blowing to me that people would not do their research on these coaches, understand that they have no real background in coaching people to stage. And now they're just going there and they show up and there's 40 other clients there. How could you possibly feel good about that? Like I wouldn't feel good if I was a client and I showed up and my coach had 40 other people. I'd be like, you, you don't know what like you probably don't even know me. Right. So, um, it, it's such an interesting phenomenon, um, that I really can't wrap my head around because I guess I look at competing a little bit differently, but also, um, I just think it's so interesting that people are, will join teams simply because of that or, or whatever it is, like a team, a trainer or something just to be a part of that, but they don't look into the person or the results and they're not seeing that the person is not really qualified or anything like that. It's, it's something that I never thought would have happened like in the coaching sphere as far as competitors. I always thought it was like, Oh, you're more credible. You have more education. You have better results. I, I know why it happened. That? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know exactly why it happens because for a long time and I still go to almost all my client shows and we have teams and we've won a shit ton of team awards and I can tell you my business blew up and grew from word of mouth from my competitors. They all, for the most part, showed up in really good shape because I was picky about who I would take on. But it was the word of mouth that spread. So if you really think about it, when people are new and they want to join a team or use a coach, they're going to talk, their friends are going to recommend somebody. And if they had a good experience as a team, they're going to be able to get yeah. word of mouth. Someone that's new, they don't know if a coach is good or not. When they start talking about anything bodybuilding related, if they don't know, they have no idea if that coach, if that person's good or not. And when they look at some of their friends on stage, if they're average or slightly above average, that to them looks really good. Where people like us, we can sit back and judge the fuck out of some of these coaches and think, God, you still got like eight pounds to get off this girl. Why, why is she on stage? But somebody new, 
they're just getting referrals because that team atmosphere is something that's very, very appealing. It's the teams that have a really good coach and they have the atmosphere. Those are the ones that are going places. Yeah. But back to the point that we talked about um, earlier was, oh my God, it literally just completely slipped out of my mind. You know, when you have a thought and then you just like, Oh no, dude, every day, like at least an hour after I take my first hit on the bowl. Like, oh my I God. Like, I was, totally I had a really good thing to tie all that <laughs> together. Oh, this goes back to maybe you shouldn't be stepping on stage if you don't have more context about it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that kind of perpetuates that as well. I mean, I definitely understand it, but it's, to me, it's like, man, wouldn't you rather hire somebody who is more credible um and has better results per se but i I totally get the i get the mindset and i get what you're saying john to my point it's like well maybe you should have done some more research or waited maybe instead of just jumping into doing a show um in order to be competitive but i guess that's the difference between just being competitive or competing one thing i've noticed um is that like a lot of these new competitors they've never even been to a show or seen one and they want to compete and, you know, I was telling the girl that I was talking to today, I, was, I asked her, I was like, have you ever been to a show? Like, do you know, like, what the categories look like? And she goes, no, oh, I heard about bikini. I think, you know, I'm probably better for that or maybe figure. And I was like, let me see your pictures, right? And so, you know, after I saw that, I told her no. But I encourage, you know, a lot of people who want to compete, go to a show first. Like, sit through prejudging, see what it's like see who, you know, go to the night show, see who wins, you know, who's in the first call out, who's top five, who wins. And then ask yourself, do you look like that or anywhere close to that? And then you can start your, your journey. So I'm going to go with a little thought here. I just saw a study they released where they said that of course, Americans are more overweight than ever before. And now 10% more Americans are okay with the fact that they're overweight. So the number has climbed to like around 40% roughly of people who are overweight or like, yeah, I'm overweight, but I'm happy with it. So like the body shaming movement basically has taken hold. And I think what you see, especially the competing that we're talking about is people don't know what it's like to be fucking competitive anymore. Like they just want to like, it looks good on the gram because 99% of their friends are fat. So they're like, well, look what I did. You know, I got leaner than you got. And it's like a show off fest because I had one girl, she ditched me because I was like, no, you're not ready. You know, you're still like 25% body fat. And that was after one cut, like me pulling her through. And then she basically tapped out and then she went and hired another coach, got on stage. She's like, yeah, you know, I just had to do it. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I thought from you being a former D1 athlete, you actually wanted to be competitive. If you just told me you wanted to be last place, I would have been like, cool, still taking your money and throwing you up on the, on the stage and just been like every other shit coach but um yeah but then it reflects poorly on exactly you, so and that's like it. one I, of those deals man. i won't do it either i have no yeah. problem telling someone they're not ready yeah you know but i mean I, I was gonna go ahead and give you another mistake i've made if you want to pull that back in yeah let's pull it All back right. in before i go this forward. actually <laughs> has to do with john gorman oh i like how you pointed a finger out like randomly I, in I, the air too like who yeah the no one at home's gonna see that but it helps me like just move my hands <laughs> some you know um <laughs> But I had, I prepped John way back in the day and had him like pretty, pretty good shape. Like he had worked with another coach and he had him on too high of carbs. And I was, I had John looking pretty good. Well, during peak week, I fucked it all up using a protocol that had been used on me with too many carbohydrates, pooling water, the whole nine yards. And John like ballooned up <laughs> and it was awful. You know, there wasn't much we could do to really fix it at that point. Um, and that's when I learned like, all right, 
not everyone can be peaked like me and I got to figure out some other ways here. Um, so that was bad. And I don't think I've ever blown a peak that badly, but that was so early on in coaching. I probably had only been at it maybe a year at the time, like as a business. Um, is this your formal apology to John? (laughs) Oh, I'd already apologized. (laughs) Oh, I'd already apologized, but it was probably the, the peak that I messed up the worst, but his body just couldn't handle all the carbohydrates. Dude, yeah. the coach, the coach before that I linked up with you, Jason. Yeah, you know, he uh, did the same issue, and his solution was to give me a Lasix in the morning and a Diazide before night. Yeah, I mean, at that point, <laughs> with no water, we know how that yeah, worked out. Like waking up in the middle that. of the night with palpitations and shit, and yeah. I'm like, I just don't feel good, and like I'm pacing around my hotel room, like this is just terrible. That when you went to the hospital? Yeah, that was like I put in the hospital two days later because I started drinking water and. I started just throwing on mass my weight. He's like, I'm like, dude, I'm gaining weight. He goes, you need to quit cheating on your diet. And like, I'd only eaten three meals because yeah. I was so scared of the, you oh know, my God. yeah, dude, like, it was bad. I was in the hospital. My CK levels were over 6,000. <laughs> yeah. They kept Talk me about kidneys hurting. They're yeah. Dude, I, at that point. Yeah. No, it, was, it wasn't a good look. You know, there might've been a little damage if they, if that, was, that gets that high. Yeah. Well, I got lucky. <laughs> Hey Jason, back, back to you. Back to you. Yeah. Fucking my peak week up so bad, and now that yeah. this is public, what a lot of people don't realize that was May fifteenth, my birthday in mm-hmm. two thousand ten, and also the last day I have ever been on stage. Right. So I can just go ahead and publicly thank you for that. Now yeah. I've. But the funny thing is that was the first year with men's physique, and yeah. I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. And here I am, one hundred fifty five pounds, natty. <laughs> Should have done men's physique, but instead I, I said, fuck the lightweights, put me in the middleweights. I want to see what I have to do. So I placed ninth out of nine. And you know what, though, that peak week, it, I, I was never mad about it. I, I actually learned a ton from it as well because I had been through that peak a few times. The right. first time it actually worked really well in 2009. Yep. But I don't know about you, like with peak weeks and stuff like that. These days, I rarely spill anyone because I've just tried so many different ways and I yep. do so many I do so many pictures leading up to peak week that I know what's going to happen. But man, I, I look back, I don't re- really regret any. I actually just look forward to being able to learn from it. I mean, it sucks when it happens because for your client, you can't really do a lot for them. But, nope. you know, I, I learned a lot from that. I know I did. Oh, I, I did too. I mean, at that point, I was like, uh, there's got to be another better way out there. You know, not everyone responds to that same that same protocol, you know, right. It was kind of sold to me as like bulletproof. Well, that day it was not bulletproof. Yeah. And, uh, you know, someone who takes pride in their work, obviously it, it, it hit me mentally. And so I had to, I had to make changes and learn. So, you know, that's how you, that's how it, you know, you learn, you know, a lot of times as a coach, you hope it's not as, as devastating, but you know, sometimes it is and you've got to learn from it. And so that peak weeks, of, that was a big one. And I've, I've definitely, uh, adjusted how I do things. It's so very it's, mild and moderate now. Is that why in 2013, when I helped you prep and you did the Kentucky or whatever show that was, we got to peak week and you're like, Hey man, I got my peak week. Don't worry about it. Were you worried about me trying to fuck you up or what? No, not at all. I just, I just, you know, <laughs> just certain things, like, it's I just hard to give me. away full control, you know, and certain no, things I get it. like, I get I'll be able to see what's going on with my body right here. You know, and no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't fearful. (laughs) Um, I think that it's also we probably should talk about our biggest mistakes in business. And Mm. I know, um, for me, it was surrounding myself with people who didn't want to see me win or who didn't have a best vet, did not have a vested interest in my success as well. 
So, you know, I had a lot of people who would, you know, my learning curve, I'd be learning, learning, passing down. And then what they would do is take it and then hammer me on the backside. You know what I mean? Or you'd have people that would just, um, I don't know, just, yeah, sure. You could do that, but you know, you're not good enough to do that or anything like that. And I think that when it comes to business, the one thing I've learned is the circle of five, you know, you show me yeah. the five people closest to you and I'll show you, you. And that is so true early on in business. Now, like I've got like four people in my circle and I'm trying to decide, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying out Sue for number five spot. I've got him in a jousting fight with this major guy he doesn't know yet. But um, in all seriousness. You'll have better, better style, Jeff. If yeah. you hang I out know. Your style is so good. I mean, that's, that does give you points. You know, the way you rode that bull down in Nashville, that gave you another bonus point. Thanks, man. Uh, absolutely. But um, I want to turn it over to John real quick. John, in business, I know you've kind of run the gamut. Now you own gyms, you know, you're a gym owner like myself. And um, I think we both could actually say that um, – surrounding ourselves with people locally when you're running a gym is probably, you know, one of the big things that if you're running a local business, you should probably be taking into great consideration that and that was something I wish I had done before. You know, when I bought Iron House, <clears throat> my business partner and I back in the day before he passed away, we had coaches who were there and none of them believed that we could do it. And now all those coaches are back in my gym as members. And I smile every day when I walk by. Because I was yeah, like, that, four years ago, you, do, you did not believe in me. And now you all have nowhere else to go. And I just kind of just smile and click my heels together like Dorothy in Kansas and just keep going about my business. But um, what, what advice would you have or what were some of your biggest mistakes and how did you kind of learn and correct those, I guess? Man, so the biggest one, and I thought about this today, um, you know, whether I say this, whether it's going to be good for business or impact, you know, the people that I have around me that are, you know, part of some of the businesses. I'm, I guess I just don't care. I'm an open book. I don't think anyone's going to be offended. But what I can tell you is back in 2015, all I basically had was my coaching business. I was making $80,000 a year here in Southwest Missouri. That's actually pretty damn good. Like the normal household income, like teachers get, get 30,000 starting out. So like cost of living here is low. So I was making $80,000 a year. All I needed was my laptop. I could go to my client shows and I had a lot of freedom. And then I started getting caught up in keeping up with the Joneses. I got caught up in the Gary Vee movement. I got caught up in Andy Priscilla stuff, which by the way, not their fault. It was mine. And I started looking around and thinking, okay, so-and-so has this, these coaches are making this amount of money. And what happened was, is I started going on this. And, and I say this because I want coaches that that were in my situation in 2015 to pay real close attention to what I'm going to say right now, because there's always a learning point to this. I started getting caught up in that. So I started to take on more and more stuff. Writing the books was a good thing, but then I started the fat muscle project apparel company and I started to spread myself super thin. I started the physique summit, which is a good thing. I'm not saying these things shouldn't have been started, but I started the physique summit. I started speaking all over at camps. And then the next thing you know, I bought a 10,000 square foot gym that's a monster. And then less than a year later, I bought the second one. And then what, and now that I'm not with first form, I don't mind talking about this, but about a year ago, I actually had someone approach me and they were going to, and they were actually going to fund me for a large amount of money to turn fat muscle into a supplement company. And I did all the research. I really looked deep into it. Jason, Jason, you know, everything there is to know about starting a supplement company when I started to really see what it took, I had to step back because I wanted to do it all. You know, I wanted to say, Hey, you know, I've made a mill a year. Like I was chasing all this shit. Right. But I was also at my most unhappy. 
because if I could just take the stress away, someone doesn't have to worry about keeping up with the Joneses. They need to chase happiness, not chase money. And I got caught up with chasing happiness. Obviously I didn't turn fat muscle into a supplement company. I pulled the plug on that. Actually fat muscles as apparel company just kind of been shut down. It's just not worth the time and effort. The gyms are good, but my point is if someone can make, you know, and I'll just throw a number out, a good coach can make $250,000 a year writing books, speaking, and just coaching people. You need your laptop and you have all that freedom. Is that going to make someone more happy than if they own multiple gyms and they do all this other stuff? That's, that's what I think people need to pay attention to. They need to chase happiness, not chase keeping up with the Joneses. And that's really, really hard to do because people like to compare themselves to other to other people based on that success. And I'm telling you what, fuck man. Now that I look at my health more closely and stuff like that, I can look back. I don't give a fuck. No one's going to remember how much money I made, how many gyms I owned or any of that shit. They're going to remember if, if I was happy, if I was a good person and how many people I helped. So chasing happiness to me is the most important thing. The interesting thing I've been going back to, you know, counseling cause I started writing my book for my journey with osteogenesis and perfecta. And I've been trying to figure out happiness um, for me. And, um, you know, it was chasing the legacy of having the gyms. Jason knows my 10-year plan and all this stuff. But then I started, like, really peeling it back. And I actually decided with John Michael, who filmed the PEC for us, him and I are taking off to go interview people with OI. And what we are going to do is put a documentary together. And that's kind of like what I'm doing now is using my gym, using my training money to fuel the happiness, which is why I want to do bringing a spotlight to OI. So it's, I agree with you. You get caught up in chasing that, like, I want to put that motherfucker out of business up over there or this right. and that. And then, you know, before you know it, you're, you're sitting, you wake up at one o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and then your brain's just immediately clicked on, you know, cause you just start thinking stuff. So I can relate to you hundred percent, keeping up with the movement. You know, I love Andy Frisella. I think he's got some great stuff out there. But that movement is powerful, man. It can suck you in, and before you oh, know it, man. you're just oh, yeah, he's, Oh, I'm out. Oh, that's such a good talk, too. Well, such a good moving moment. Like, I almost shed a tear. So, Yeah, so what, the, the, the last point I want to make with that that I want our, our people listening to be able to understand is when you start to spread yourself too thin, and especially if that causes you a lot of stress, you can't be great at one thing, one or two things, but you can be mediocre at a lot of things. And what I started to notice as a coach, my people weren't getting as lean as they need to get. I was unhappy. Like it just, all that stuff can lead to you not being as good as you should be at the number one thing. And to me, being a diet coach is my number one thing. That's the bit. That's why I have everything that I have now is because I built my coaching business. So people need to be very, very careful and they need to protect that at all costs. So be careful with being average at a lot of things. Try and be great at a couple things. Sue, what about you? What's your biggest business mistake? I bet I know where you're going to go with this one. Oh, man. Um, you know, Thanks. I agree with what John was saying, definitely, in terms of, um, you know, not getting too caught up with doing too much. You know, like right now, I'm just focusing on being the best coach that I can be, just focusing on this nutrition consulting component that I'm doing. Um, there was a while back, uh, two years ago, I, um, I tried to buy a gym that was going up for sale. It was an old Gold's gym, and the owner wanted to get rid of it because he was sick of paying the franchise fees and all that. Um, I ended up finding, I wrote a business plan. I spent the whole year writing a business plan. Um, I found some investors. And then I had to raise the other, um, the capital through banks and the cash flow was so poor 
that uh, no banks would fund me. So eventually, um, another gentleman who was a member of the gym bought it, and uh, he knew that I was the uh, the runner up or whatever. So we didn't really like each other. It was either going to be me or him. He ended up paying you know three thirty cash because um, his wife is loaded, <laughs> and uh, so they bought the gym in cash, and he owned it. And I sort sort of slowly over the course of as you know as time passed, I felt that he was trying to squeeze me out. And uh, I think my mistake was staying there too long and taking like, like sort of like emotional, like and mental abuse from, from him and the trainers that work there because the trainers that work there started losing clients to me and I wasn't poaching them. They just saw that I was delivering much better results. So they were leaving and coming to me. They complained to um, the gym owner and mysteriously, like my posters started being torn down and business cards disappearing and um, I held a seminar one time at this gym and I asked the, um, the gym owner if we could, you know, advertise it on Facebook, just make a post about it. And he said that, um, you know, you're a liability uh, to me, so I'm not going to get behind you because who knows what advice you're dispensing. It could hurt people. And I said, okay. So I had the seminar and I paid him his dues and all that stuff. And then later on, you know, I had more good client transformations and he texted me and said, as long as these people are members of the gym, you need to post that they train at this gym, the website of the gym and all that and all your transformations. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought I was a liability. Why, why do you want to align yourself with me now? You know? So it ended up blowing up. There's more detail to the story. It got really personal, but basically I stayed way too long and I was undervalued. And I should have left sooner. And I, I'm gone now and things have never have been better, you know? Jason, what about you? I know you're chomping to reveal your failures. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it, I, I can tell you about rational foods. Um, that was $50,000. Oh, that's off. what you talked to me about that time I came up there, right? Yeah. The, the food thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know my close buddy, uh, Troy, some of you have met him, him and his brother sold their business for, for multi-millions and now they invest in other businesses. And they got involved in this company called Rational Foods. And what it was, it was pouches um, for bariatrics patients. And it was a great idea because right now in the bariatric, a lot of the food is just nasty. And it's like either this soup or like this really terrible protein powder that like barely mixes up. And so these were pouches ready to go with all the nutrients and the extra minerals and vitamins they need. And it, it had a good idea. And I mean, the guy that was running it though, he just, he ended up being an alcoholic. We didn't know. And he squandered all the money and he didn't lead with the right flavor. It was like ginger apricot something when we had all these great like berry, blah, blah, blahs. And so the leading flavor sucked. At the end of the day, he ended up bleeding the company dry and all of our money was gone. Um, so, you know, it was live and learn, but we saw where the technology could be brought under new ethics eventually and have ready to go like pouches for like soccer moms and for people who, you know, traveled a lot and they were going to have like good way isolate in them. And then the actual, you know, sweet potatoes and different things that you would need for a really good quick meal. And it was like those pouches that you just kind of squeeze for like babies, but you just, it was pureed food. Um, but it just didn't go. And so we lost the 50 K, but you know, for me, it was like we had the cash and had that thing blown up. Like my other, other businesses of my friends, I'd have been pissed. So I paid the play and we lost. Um, other one is, you know, a lot of people may, may not know, uh, prior to new ethics, we had natty nutrition and we started to create a supplement line 
and the flagship was a product called Slintrol that I created. And another one was suppressed, which was kind of like they were the pre versions of GDA max and, and Estracort. And we started to bring on protein powder and glutamine and creatine. And honestly it started to grow, but you know, Steph and I weren't in a position at the time to really run a supplement company. We were having trouble finding someone to do shipping and, we had trouble with storage and we just weren't really aligned for where we needed to go. We had jumped the gun. I think it was something that I always wanted, but we just weren't ready. And so we ended up shutting it down. And I don't really know if you want to call it a failure because I learned, you know, a lot about formulating. I, I learned a lot about, you know, picking the right manufacturer for proper ingredients and proper third party testing and all these different things that, you know, we weren't, up to speed on when we first did it. So it did, I guess you could say fail, even though it was making money, we shut it down on our own accord because we just weren't ready. We jumped the gun on it. But again, it led to new ethics. So is it, was it a failure? Yes, no, maybe. I don't know if you learn from it. Is it really a failure? It's just a, you know, learning experience. So those are two major ones. But as far as Scooby prep goes, like other than like the individual where we've talked about diet mistakes, like as far as business every year, I've made more money. I've enjoyed what I'm doing. I don't have to fucking practice law anymore. I can work from anywhere in the world and I make a really good living. So I don't know that I've made a ton of business mistakes with Scooby. I didn't get on Instagram quick enough, but it really didn't hurt me. Um, but once I really kind of developed it and got going, I made even more, but you know, I've never been money motivated. I'm more, uh, financially freedom motivated. Maybe that's the same thing, but I'm not a big spender. I like my account to have big numbers in it so I feel good about myself and that I, I can do what I want, but I'm not a big spender. Like I don't want the money because I have to go spend a ton of things or buy a bunch of things. Um, so Scooby Prep, I feel like is kind of, I've done mostly the proper things with it. So Absolutely. Lauren, what about you? All right. Um, so I would say from just trying to take a different perspective as far as like coaching goes, um, just kind of mistakes. Yeah. Like obviously Jason said, there's going to be specific client stuff that you've done wrong with like diet or training or whatever. Um, but really as like a business owner and a coach, people don't, people think that, oh, I'm just going to coach people and I'll just do whatever I want, whenever I want. And um, they just don't realize that you really have to have a game plan set up and you really have to have a week scheduled out. Um, and I'm a very organized person, so that's never really been an issue for me, but it still was like when there's no set structure, like you have to create it essentially. And it's, it's not created for you whatsoever. So when you're starting this out, a really big thing that's helpful is like setting up just whatever system is going to work for you. So the way that I operate my check-ins is emails. I have a whole Google doc slash, it's like basically an Excel and a word put together um, to this big qualitative and quantitative update sheet. So I have an update sheet. We have weekly updates and that's kind of what I used to do. But now I've kind of taken it a step further. People have certain days they check in. I never used to do that. So people would just haphazardly one day, one week, it's a Monday, next it's a Wednesday, then it's a Thursday. And that was really, really stressful. Obviously once I started getting a lot busier. So I have days, I have very specific check-ins. Um, and then I have very specific questions like that. Obviously that update has evolved a lot over time because now I know what kind of questions I need to ask, like what's important and what's not important. Um, sometimes now, and now I'm a lot more open to like, oh, I'll do a video um, update with somebody. Um, like I'll send them a video if it's like easier for me to talk or I'll say, hey, let's, you know, here are these updates, but let's get on a call to really like dial this in. Um, so just being very invested and very organized with how you're setting up your coaching system because yeah, 
getting clients um, is great, but they're not going to stick around if you're an unorganized piece of shit who you don't hear from people. You hear this all the time. Probably the biggest complaint that I hear, oh, my coach is flaky. I haven't heard back from them from two weeks, this and that. I cannot believe that there's people who operate their business like that um, out of like outstanding circumstances. Of course, this may happen, but in general, nobody needs to wait two weeks to hear a response. Um, you're just not checking your emails and you're not organized. So for all the new coaches listening, even if you only have a few clients, it's going to be really important to set this kind of in place for when you do have more. So if your goal is to be a coach and you do want to have a lot of clients, you're going to need to set up systems and set up. And even if you're doing it with your part-time job, you still need some kind of system um, to it. Otherwise it's always going to, you're always going to feel like you're working, but you're never getting anything done. And that's what I was finding once the business started growing to a certain place when things would just come in haphazardly or whatever, and I didn't have systems set up, it was just terrible. So now I have days and I know John, you do too. So I'm sure all of you guys do as well. Um, I just haven't asked you guys personally, but I have certain days, certain times, certain ways of doing it. <laughs> I'll see coaches put stuff on Instagram. Like, well, I've had to take three days off just to get all my programming out. And I'm like, that's just because you don't, you don't do it on a daily basis. There's no, no point in time. If I ever had to take three days off from the gym. Yeah. To, Sorry. To get my clients, like, like I get up at seven 30, I'm in the basement by eight and I'm doing emails till 11. I go train and I come home and I work till six. If I have to, that's, that's a job. <laughs> it's a job. It's like you can't right. fuck around it's, all day and then no. expect it to be done. But I came and, from a corporate world where my day was planned for me. So that's how I work. But like, I totally hear what you're saying and I can't believe people do it either. But I think a lot of them never had that either. They don't understand organization or they never had it where I got to work in the corporate world. And that, and that was kind of ingrained in me, mm -hmm. you know? But, I think it could be both and just obviously yeah. personality types and different sure. stuff. And it's, but it, even for me, somebody who is, you know, classically you'd think of as very organized, even I kind of struggled with that in the beginning, just not even setting those kind of systems up. And I remember I was, um, I was at a show actually, and I was the night before my show and I was answering some emails and Eric Helms was actually at the show. Well, he came to watch me and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm just answering some stuff. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, because, and he's like, you don't have days, you don't have times. And I was like, no, mind blown. What? Tell me, right. tell me these secrets. Um, and you know, now because I do travel a lot, whether it's speaking or events or shows or whatever it is, I structure a lot of my like heavy update days early in the week. I can do kind of secondary ones later in the week when I'm traveling. That's easy to do on my phone if I have to. Um, but I'm not, you know, Saturday scrambling to get check-ins because most of the time I'm not even here. Um, and if I am here, that's awesome. And I want to actually be home and maybe I'm, you know, just doing stuff around the house or, you know, taking a day off or, you know, creating content, whatever it might be. So having days where you do certain things is so, so critical. And I think that a lot of people underestimate that, um, especially when starting out. So we have about 18 minutes before we got to wrap it up and Jason's got to go watch Maddox go drill about 20 minutes on the other kids. So I'm going to lead this off. By, I'm going to give you guys a minute to think so you guys have it. I want you guys to think of the one piece of advice that you would want someone to walk away with from today's episode on your end, like your experience you're in and why, why that matters. So for me, it would be stop trying to appeal to everyone. Um, I had a business partner, um, who tried to stifle me and tried to, you know, you need to be this way. You need to be this way. We need to be this way. And I always fought against that because, you know, I like to say fuck. I like to tell dirty jokes and I like to do my own thing. Like I remember when I started getting into microdosing LSD, it was a hot 
he like literally would lose his mind if I would ever discuss it openly. And then here we are, if he was still alive today, you know, like now every, now it's like the hot thing that everyone's doing, you know, this mushrooms and all this stuff. Um, because I just learned that, I guess for me, I want everyone to understand that if, if you're suppressing who you are and trying to appeal to everyone, you're eventually going to be miserable. And I remember when he passed, I almost walked away from the gym. I was going to close it and, and shut it down because I didn't know who I was. I didn't have an identity at that point because I was losing it, trying to fulfill an identity he wanted me to. So my advice for everyone would be, if you, no matter what you do, whether you're the best sales guy, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer listening to this, be who you are, because if you are who you are, the rest is going to be a-okay. I promise you, you're not going to appeal to everyone, no matter how hard you try. You, I look at the 80-20 rule and everything. I just need 80% of the people to like me and the other 20 are just going to be birds tripping in ear shit on my head when I walk by anyway. So with that being said, Sue, you're smiling at me. I'm glad to see the engagement. I feel like we're flirting. You want to go ahead and give me advice? Those eyebrows. Oh, dude, he winks. I, I wanted I'm to like, say, Fuck yes. say one thing that um, before Look at I, those eyebrows. Look at that. Their thread <laughs> is so nice. Hey, come on. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry. That was coming. Shit. All right, look, before I deliver my final, like, parting, like, piece of advice or whatever that Jeff wanted us all to do, I wanted to say back to what Lauren was saying about working at the shows and, and you know, um, and having, like, these boundaries or, or set times and stuff like that. One thing um, that I learned to do, and Jason sort of taught me this, was, like, don't communicate too much using your phone on text or on Facebook Messenger and allow clients to drive that because a lot of your – a lot of clients – despite the rules that you set, they'll still message you because it's convenient for them. They'll text you or they'll DM you on Instagram and you'll have like three different sources of information coming at you. And if you allow that to happen, what will happen to you is that you won't know what's going on because you can't properly chart this stuff, okay? So one thing I've started doing, I used to like respond to clients like at the gym or whatever. I was like, oh, this is an easy check-in to respond to. I'll just be like, oh yeah, you know, increase your cardio by five minutes, you know, for each of the three sessions, okay, carry on. But I, you know, if you do that, you're not properly charting everything or you should be. So now what I do is like, I don't respond to check-ins unless I'm sitting at my, my desk with my laptop open and so I can properly chart all the changes that I make so they're not scattered all over the place. So that makes me more, more efficient. It's not efficient. Most people think it is to be on your phone because you're getting stuff done like anywhere you go. But in the end, that can bite you if you, know, you don't have like a, a closed process. Yeah, because then you don't, have, you don't have the fact that you up their cardio. You got to look in your text or you got to ask or, the client. That looks terrible. That oh, what, what did I change? What did I do to your cardio? They're like, motherfucker, you're the one doing it. Why don't you know? You know? Exactly. And the other thing so. is, and to, to Jason, Jason said this to me many, many times, you know, over the years that, you know, I've been doing first call up fitness is that don't text your clients because it not, it not only except for peak week, except for peak week, I do allow that. Peak <laughs> week, right. But you know, not only are you disorganized, but it also opens up, like it blurs the line of authority that you need to maintain. And the text makes, makes things way too casual. And I've had that bite me badly several times with, with female clients. Um, so I don't text, I don't engage in like, you know, just chit chat with clients via text or Facebook anymore. Um, but anyway, Jeff, the, the, the main thing I want to say is just know your, know your value, align yourself with people who understand what you bring to the table and, you know, ignore the rest because you're not going to appeal to everyone. Like you said, there are a lot of people out there 
who hate me. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine because there are people out there who love me too for my hair and my eyebrows, <laughs> my, my coaching ability, whatever it may be. So I'm going to stick with those people. Fair. John, Mr. Gorman, Mac Daddy. Yeah, what man. Say, so, what's your uh, parting advice, parting wisdom? I, I kind of want to go back to my mistake when I talked about just chasing happiness and not worrying about chasing owning a bunch of businesses. I, I don't want people listening to think that they shouldn't do that. Like, don't be scared of that because – Here's the thing. There's a reason why I still own my gyms. There's a reason why I still speak all the time and I have a large client base. I, I am able to do that because I have quality people around me. The two managers of my gyms, Jake and Adam, I'm telling you right now, if something ever happens and I don't have those gym, those and those guys need somewhere, I'm going to find something because those two guys are quality. But what people need to realize, if you own a business or if you have multiple coaches under you, it takes you a while to find those quality people. And that can actually make or break either your business or your fucking stress levels and your happiness. So I, I don't want people to think I'm saying, don't go do that. But I'm saying you have to understand the whole thing going in. Don't just jump straight in and, and try and launch a bunch of things. It's going to take you a while to find quality people or you may not find them. That's, and that's, that's what people need to understand. A lot of people just jump in and it's too fucking late. And they're stressed out and they have all this debt and all this stuff. And they never looked at it from that standpoint going in. I didn't. I know I didn't. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to own this shit and make all this money. And, you know, two years later, I'm stressed the fuck out. But then I finally found the right people. But if I hadn't found them, I'd be really fucking unhappy right now. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's good. I agree with you. I'm, I have Thera. So as you all have seen, Thera is like my rock. So um, yeah, no, she's awesome. I, I I don't want you guys to try to poach her from me. I will kill you over that. Um, I'll even put that on the air and record it. So that way, you know, if a body comes up, they come right back to me. Lauren, before I'm going to let Jace finish up, I want to, I want to say, uh, turn it over to you. What have you got to part with? So I would say that the one, you know, one parting piece of advice. Wow. English, um, is really to, <laughs> that's not my strongest skill. Um, but is really to kind of have your, like we've all kind of tied together, but having your expectations and then also having the client expectations very, very clear. So I think that early on, um, you know, potentially people, and I know even with myself, uh, I was a little bit nervous, I think, to be a little strong in that instance. Um, and you don't want to come across as this like dictator or this like too strong of a person, but it's really, really important to say, Hey, here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I'm going to do. And even, you know, expectations from yourself to uphold. And then here's what I expect from you, um, et cetera. So I think that it's really important to have those conversations up front with people. Hey, here's what you can expect with your check-ins. Here's what you can expect with our communication, da, 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 all these things. This is what I need from you. And then also on your own end, you have to have your expectations. So like I said, scheduling things out for like your week, I expect myself when I'm traveling or at an event that I'm going to be very present. So if I'm worried about check-ins that I haven't answered, that's unacceptable to me because then I'm not going to be able to be interacting with people. If John asked me to speak at the physique summit, I'm going to go to the physique summit and just do that that weekend, right? Of course, I'm still going to, you know, check emails and things like that, but I'm going to be very present with everyone and not like, oh, hold on, sorry, I can't talk to you right now. Even though you paid a lot of money to be here, I got to go do check-ins because I didn't do them earlier in the week. No, that's unacceptable. So I have to get things done. And then that way, when I am somewhere like, you know, the physique summit, just as an example, I can be fully present and giving my best there. So there's expectations of you as a coach to the client and also expectations that you have to hold for yourself within the business. And then they have to know their expectations too. And having that conversation up front really, really helps. Because if you wait, like you can't just be like a few months into coaching someone and then go, hey, by the way, 
you know, could you change all this? They're like, what the hell? So if you just say it up front, that's what's expected from people. Um, and it's, it's just so much better. So yeah, just being forward and, and whatever is your non-negotiables that you have to set up, that's what you set up. And if you need to say that on your website, on the initial consult with them, on the first email you send, wherever it needs to be, you say it then, and then you have your piece. And if there's an issue, refund them. Bye. Thanks so much. It's not going to work out. I love that because I agree with that wholeheartedly. Me too. Jason, I'm turning over to you, the OG, the grandfather of us all. Um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I might have a few here. Well, I'm going to start with the most important one though. Like, so from a coaching perspective, I think you've heard us all talk about mistakes today and 100% every single coach out there is going to make mistakes. Um, it's going to happen. So to me, it's like, well, how did you respond? Did you then take efforts to learn? Um, you know, did you find a mentor maybe to fix that area? Did you pick up a book? What did you do to seek the knowledge? Because if you're not moving forward from that deficit in your abilities and, and looking to change it, you are going to probably fall by the wayside. You've, you've got to keep getting better in this business because everyone who's moving more towards the top is always seeking knowledge. I mean, what have you read? Like 90 fucking books this year or something, Joe? Uh, I just started book 83 and finished podcast 297. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not on that level, but I do read books and I do try to get educated on where my weaknesses are as a coach. That's why I got into metabolic resistance. I was sick of trying to do everything right with my female clients and then they're still stuck and they still can't, their body doesn't do shit post show. Why can't I fix this? Um, so seek knowledge always. Um, and then just give people your time. Like I think Lauren was kind of hitting on that. Uh, uh, you know, like being present and, and, and I'm just saying like, if you are going to speak, um, know that people are going to want to talk to you and your, your weekend might be, um, you repeating a lot of the same stuff that you've, you've known and talked about forever, but it's new to them. And so just remember that as you're out there, you, you, your face, you are your, your, your best brand advocate. So if you're not willing to get out there and give people your time, that's going to hurt you. And then last is give free info. Like I've always done that through my coaching, like probably almost to a fault where, you know, people want things and I'm like, okay, well, here you go. Like, here's why I would set up this and here's how I'd set up that. And here's what supplements I would take. And, you know, I feel like over the years that good karma has actually been given back in, you know, every year my business, you know, grows and, and things flourish. So I think uh, giving free info and, and, and giving people your time when you're, when you're present, are, are the main things. And then of course, when you make mistakes, note it, don't let it make you stay down about yourself, but do something about it to, to get better and, and learn why you can, how you can do a better job. All good stuff, Sensei. Well, you, I really enjoyed having you guys on today and I would love to do it again. And I had a great topic I wrote down the pop of my head. We should do a podcast to five of us on relationships. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that would be a good. One. No one's done that before. We could jump in on that. I think between the five of us, Ugh. it would be just yeah, Jason. Me and you are both like, oh my god, it's like watching. Oh, I just can't even think of the analogy right now. That'd be PC for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John, I want to ask a question real quick. Did you and Jason name the podcast yet? Yes. Yeah. So we haven't told anyone yet. And what I what I want people to do is watch Jason's social, watch my social. We're going to announce it soon. Um, 
you know, I thought about it, should we tell people what it is now, but then they're going to hear this and go search for it. it's not up yet. So it takes a few days. We're going to record tomorrow. The site should be ready this week. And it takes a few days for iTunes to do everything and then make it an actual podcast. So uh, I'd rather not say the name, um, but I'm super, super excited for it. Really excited. You know, Jason and I have do like 50 freaking topics that, you know, we can talk about just for a second. We're going to cover everything from the standpoint of the assisted side of elite uh, physique enhancement. So whether you're assisted or you're natural, you know, Jason can kind of play the role of the coach that works with assisted athletes. I can play the role of the coach that works with natural athletes, even though we both have done both. We're going to cover every single topic out there from both sides of it. And that's never really been done in the industry. It's not just bodybuilding. It's elite physique enhancement. Part of that's in the name, by the way. So I'm pretty, pretty excited for us to talk about all these topics, especially the new stuff that you know, a lot of us are kind of leading the way on things like insulin sensitivity and metabolic resistance and gut health and just cover all these topics from both aspects. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be big and I think people are really going to enjoy it. And, you know, Jeff, we want to have you on um, to talk about HRV at some point. Lauren, you're obviously going to be a guest on. Sue, if you want to come on and talk about your Bronco, I'm sure you're more than welcome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, you know, we're going to have guests. We're going to have um, a lot of good topics. And, and it's kind of cool because you guys have this to talk. You guys talk a little bit about physique enhancement. You're talking a lot about business over there. We're going to talk about all physique enhancement. Probably won't talk a lot about business, but I think it'll be kind of cool to cross over a little bit since Jason's kind of the bridge, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think that'd be cool. Speaking of the HRV thing, that's probably going to be I present on at Physique Education Collective 3 in oh, April. Nice. I'm going to do that. I'm going to actually present on psychedelics and the use in regards to heart rate variability and like some of the stuff that I've ascertained from it um, and nootropic use. So I'm trying to, I'm already starting to put that together. I like try to prepare. Are you going to have a dealer there that day in case anyone <laughs> wants to buy a hit? And I'm going to fucking deal. I'm going to make the money. I'm not going to, no, I mean, I'm sourcing it. I don't He's like, no, I'm just going to make a shit ton of it. And if you want to try CC of it, I'll let you. Yeah. Here you go. You know, we're just going to dabble it. You know, I know Sue wants to try. So I'm like, I'm, I'm sure. interested to see how that goes. Uh, we're, I do I think can. I pick up more on energies since doing. I it. told you, like, you go into a bar, like we went in, you know, you go, like we went to play that night, which is the gay bar in Nashville. I told you it was such a laid back environment because no one in there gives a fuck because they're just all there to dance, party, have a good time. So regardless, it was it's it's been an interesting experiment for me, and I've been doing it for over two years now, roughly two years actually. So I'm excited to kind of put that on paper and share that with people because I know that depression and anxiety are hot topics since today. And I know that that's been the only thing that I've done um, that has given me any relief and helped knock me out of uh, severe states of depression that I suffer from. So I look forward to doing that. I do want to go ahead and bring up that we have the Physique Education Collective where Lauren's joining us January 11th in Atlanta. Yep. Um, we have our website up, www.physiqueeducationcollective.com. Yeah, .com. And then, uh, Jason, what are we doing for the coaches? Do you want to announce that part real quick? Yeah, so um, if you coach um, and you bring three, you get three of your people to come, we'll give you half off uh, the rate. If you get five people on your team to come, we'll give you a free ticket. Yep, that'd be, that's badass. And we also, this will be the final, well, we got, what, this week and maybe next week. But if you guys leave us a review, you guys enter into being one of three people that we're going to give away free tickets to the Physique Education Collective. You make it to Atlanta, you get to hop in and join a good time with us. 
I know that between Sue's hair and my beard and then Jason's kind of baby beard going on, it'll be a great time. Uh, we can also weigh in on who has better hair, Sue or Lauren. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if Vince I'm wants to voted throw, Lauren, just so you know. I, I don't know if Vince wants to throw himself in there as one of the he beautiful could. ones, but uh, well, we might let Vince, Vince do it. Vince has pretty but, good hair. His hair's pretty good. He He's does. Good style too. I feel like Austin, though, might win on the hair end. Just, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like it's just a fuzzy ball and the fact that he likes cats just makes him win for me. So. Austin, back in like 2006 or 2008, he had a, he had a really big fro. I'm just thing. pissed it's going to be cold and he can't wear their shorts out again. I bet he would if you asked him. Atlanta's not that. I mean, <laughs> how, how cold is it in Atlanta this time so, of year? It's going like, to be January. Like, it's January, probably going to be 45. 50s. No, it'd be like 50s. Dude, maybe. I would love that. It's like, fucking like 30 out here yep I figured it's man. not bad but we're gonna have a good time in well. atlanta um we're staying at the embassy suites we're actually gonna be posting that on the website yeah jason and i are gonna be there friday night i know all the coaches are getting in friday we're gonna do an open lift go out to eat afterwards present saturday and then saturday night it's uh, a free-for-all in atlanta with us so jesus dude oh. quit cussing at me i heard you i know it broke up god you're such abusive i'm on a diet jason. i don't think i can go out to eat with you guys Oh, you, dude! You, wait, come the fuck on! No, Jason. Jason put me on a on a little reset. You're not, you're not gonna still be on that in January, and I, if anyone's gonna be prepping, it's me, and I'm still going out. And you no, we said we were gonna go eight weeks. Huh? I, we said eight weeks. I'm not having any cheat meals. Oh you can, go out. you can still go out to eat. You can still go out, bro. It'll be fine. What? Here's I'm what going out, do. and I'll probably literally be in prep or like really close to starting. I'm the same. I literally too. eat out like up until the show. Like it literally doesn't. I mean, obviously, I'm eating certain stuff. Yeah. But you can eat out. You're just not going to be able to eat what you want. Maybe. No, I know. I just get OCD about. It. I really want to just get this done so I can get back to gaining weight. So You'll here's fine, what we'll man. do. You're going out. You're going to okay. have a meal at a restaurant. <laughs> oh, look at that, Jason! Like throwing it down on you, buddy. I mean, well, I'll, he, I'll get he a plate of chicken and rice. Yes. Just up your L-carnitine, you pussy. You'll be okay. <laughs> but um, here's the one thing, though. Sue, I'm telling you, if you microdose, the food tastes better. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll try it with you next time when I see I know. You I'm just telling you. I'm, when I feed you. I'll feed you your burrito from Cadoba. I'll make sure it's like low fat, high carbs and shit. You'll be okay. All right. We'll get Lauren to pick it for you. Lauren obviously knows. She'll, she'll be like, Sue, I'll order for you. Like, let's let Lauren order for you when we go out to eat. I want to see how that goes down. Like, Lauren, you just be like, he's, I've, oh, I've done that before. I've been out. There's one hey, time. I'm really looking forward to hanging out with, uh, with you, Lauren, because the only yeah. time I ever got to talk to you was that time I, I said John Meadows was breaking his diet by eating pancakes at the hotel. That was the only time I, I got to hang out with you. But now I, I got to know you a little bit better. So, you know. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we, we bring breakfast together. Yeah, I can't wait till we bring John on for PEC, and I just get to like, be like, John, will you please eat pancakes from Sue? So he'll just talk about it for like three more years. <laughs> like he needs still mind-boggling to me that he ate that. You know, what? he, he eats pancakes out. like all the time. No, but he had yeah. the sausage and he had the greasy eggs too. I was like, the fuck. <laughs> yeah, and he picked up his shirt and showed you who wins. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it is. Well, guys, thank you all for joining us. I yep. definitely think I'll get with you guys through uh, email and text about doing one on relationships, probably in the new year, because I know we got a lot. But I think that one could be really fun with the five of us, since we all seem to click pretty well. But, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, if you guys have any parting words before I like say we, goodbye. We should do one nope. about New Year's resolutions. Oh, God. That's like an obvious one. but it I hate New Year's good. resolutions. I know. I hate them, too, but we could make it good for our, our listeners out there. I have one New Year's resolution, one goal. And the one goal I've already written down, because I started my goal list for 2020, is don't surround yourself with lazy people. There you That's go. like one goal I've already got written down. I was like, yep, nope, 
if you're lazy, I'm just going to distance myself from you. Sorry. Bye. So just fair. That's warning. our parting word. I got to roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks See you guys. Everyone. See you guys. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for joining Bye, guys. us. Bye. Bye. Bye.